Hi, and welcome to Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Today, I am very excited to announce that we have a guest coming all of the way with us today from Phillip Island, Victoria, Australia, which is a wonderful place you may not be familiar with. Uh, it just came into my attention that they have the, they're known for their famous penguin parade there. Uh, that's definitely something worth checking out. And um, our guest today is here to talk to us a little bit about his experience with uh, a narcissistic partner and what happened um, with that and some of the ways that he has managed to navigate uh, his healing journey through all of this. So our guest today is Shane. Uh, welcome. G'day. How are you? Quite well, quite well. Um, this is uh, the beginning of June 2020. We have a whole lot of things happening here in America from pandemics to uh, riots and all kinds of social uh, civil disobedience and everything. But our focus for today is about how you have managed to recover from your own uh, crisis. Um, and so to get started, uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, your experience with narcissistic abuse? Okay, well, to begin with, I actually only found out the correct term probably a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> I knew the word narcissist, but I didn't understand the full interpretation of it. But to go with my own experience, I was married for 19 years and 364 days, one day off my 20th wedding anniversary when <clears throat> I got the discard. And in Australia, it's actually year and one day before you can get divorced. So it was actually planned so we could get divorced on our 21st wedding anniversary, and that was just um, part of the discard. Now, getting back to the beginning of it, um, not ever having any experience with it before, um, I met my ex-wife and I thought, oh, this is it. I was absolutely love-bombed beyond my wildest dreams, um, everything I liked, she liked, um, just pumped me up and so on and so forth and thought, oh, great. And we were married in less than 12 months. We didn't even have an engagement party. We were married in less than 12 months. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> went from there and then decided to have children. But what sort of happened along the way, uh, it was probably 12 months before things, well, there were little things that, didn't make person when you're with somebody that you love so much at the time, you tend to sort of cover, or in my belief anyway, you tend to um, make up for these small um, faults and whatever else. But as it proceeded to go on over the years, things proceeded to get worse. Um, initially, it started, the first memory I think I've got was I didn't know the terminology at the time. I thought my memory was going bad because I used to get complimented on how well my memory was, was the gaslighting. And I would be positive that I'd said something or something was said to me and it would be denied and it would be denied. And I think, oh, well, maybe I'm imagining it. 
and then it would be the um, <clears throat> the self grandeur, especially like she was the most important person in the world, and if I didn't give her that, there would be just a constant. Um, I'd either be good or bad attention, providing she was getting attention. Um, the other thing which sort of, oh, I guess, came into it was um, I didn't realise because I'm nearly 54 years old now. Um, I've got a Harley, I've got tattoos, I thought it was a man's man type thing. But um, she actually controlled um, my hair, how I looked, what I dressed in. I didn't realise that to such an extent. Um, we had children and such. I've got two daughters to her. And it was... It was just the control got bigger and bigger and you couldn't argue or um, what would happen um, would be I would be set up, um, I'd eventually react. Um, for example, like there was one particular argument I remember where she was sitting there and on my case about a point, it was about one of my daughters walking three points two kilometres to school there and back and she was under the age that I considered that she could do it, even the school was concerned. But to make the point of it, she pushed it for eight hours a day before and then the next morning she still pushed it and I finally snapped. So everyone saw the reaction but they didn't see the day before. Um, so that, And then when the final discard um, came around, I did not realise... But she'd actually had a plan for probably 12, eight, 12 to 8 months beforehand, as I found out later. She'd mm-hmm. informed everyone. she worded up my children. I was actually the last person to know that I was getting divorced. Um, I'd lost a lot of friends out of it. And, yeah, it was absolutely horrible. I'd never been in such a bad place in all my life. Um, I did actually handle things badly. I made some bad um, choices as far as coping skills go and um, as I said, the amount of hurt that it actually created. I could not believe that someone who was meant to love you could be so nasty. Yes, they, they, uh, they do tend to change through the course of the relationship. Um, could you uh, tell the difference between when it changed from the love bombing to the devaluation before you got to the discard? Because I know for me, looking back, um, I, I didn't, it was so subtle and it happened so slowly that I didn't know that I was in devaluation and being subtly insulted and those kinds of things. Until I look back on it, it's clear to me now. But when it was happening, I just I I was dismissive and made excuses and and act and just told myself it was nothing to worry about. It was just uh, you know whatever. But uh, now I clearly see that there was the there was contempt and disrespect and um, little jabs and that kind of stuff. And there's different kinds of narcissists. Mine was one who never, uh, raised his voice or got angry. It was all very passive aggressive and under the radar, but it was definitely there. Definitely there. Do you, um, 
Did you feel that shift? Were you aware that something had changed? Yes, yes, I was actually. It was um, probably um, about three years before or four years before. I just noticed that um, I was doing a course um, to better myself for the family to get a better job. Uh, actually, it was to become a train driver. And um, I sort of said halfway through the course, I said, geez, this is teaching me a lot. I feel like a better person through it. And the jab was, and I remember this clearly, was, oh, providing you do not think you are better than me. And I thought, well, that was a weird thing to say. And it was um, just the constant, didn't matter whether it be down to my musical taste or if I went around to see a friend or whatever else, they were never good enough or my family wasn't good enough. There was a lot of constant passive-aggressive things. And then, like, if I reacted, it'd be, oh, you're too sensitive. Oh, you can't take a joke. But, yeah, it was probably a decent three or four years before the actual breakup that I did. There was a lot going on, but I actually became aware of it three or four years before the breakup. And mm-hmm. the other thing was um, when I got the... Um, Actually, that's when I finally realised because the amount of stuff that she um, said that I had done, which I didn't, I'd proved otherwise, but it was actually the total projection of role reversal and... Blame shifting, most likely, right? Yeah, correct, correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, um, I know it was all subtle, like, because I went from that and then she could be the most charming person out in public, but it was absolute hell at home and uh, having the two girls um <clears throat> she triangulate and like i'd walk in some days and i I'd, all, all i'd done was knock off work and suddenly just the anxiety that i was suffering in the house and yeah well um you you said that the discard was sort of unexpected and you were not prepared for that you didn't discuss divorce before um she had planned it probably for months but that you were the last to know um can you talk to us a little bit about after uh after the discard you said you went through a period where uh you you were struggling and and had had some um difficult times but um what kinds of things did you finally find that helped you uh deal with this and cope with it and, and get through it to, to not do the self-destructive or um, things that were not helping, but to get on the right track. What, what things worked for you? Okay. Well, the first thing um, I realized was I was never going to change this person. Um, and that's the way she was always going to be. So that was the first realization that, um, <clears throat> okay, there's nothing I can do to change the person and this person is going out to hurt me. So I had to deal with that. The second thing I actually got into was um, Buddhism because I couldn't sleep and I was running with high anxiety and such. And I picked up a book that actually was um, Buddhism for Dummies and I actually sat down and read it. And that helped me with meditation so um, I could actually start to meditate because it was, you know, a few phone calls and battles and such um, where I had to actually get down and relax because I wasn't sleeping. And the next thing was I had to try and convince myself that 
I was a good person because I'd heard for so many years that I wasn't. And um, you have your inner voice or I have my inner voice and I'm still doing it now. Not to say that I don't have my bad days because everyone has their bad days. But I always sort of wake up in the morning and think, I've got my health, I've got my house, I've got my job, especially in today's climate. Um, I'm lucky because there are people worse off than me. Um, I got into exercise, actually lost 15 kilos and I've still kept that off. Um, and it's just the, I'd say mainly the positive thinking and realising that this person or that personality is always going to be that way. And I don't personally think it's ever going to stop, but because of the personality, I, you know, it's not my fault. That took a long time to work out. Absolutely. Yes, I think sometimes when you come out of these relationships, you're so confused about what actually happened to you that a lot of times you will blame yourself because they certainly want to play the victim. They certainly want to do the blame shifting and make everything seem your fault. And after you've been um, trauma bonded and um, conditioned and brainwashed over a period of time, uh, it, then you don't know what is going on. You don't know what is real and you doubt yourself and everything around you. And it's a very confusing time. I think it's curious that, that your marriage lasted uh, such a long time and mine did too. Mine was 16 years. Yours was even longer than mine. And a lot of people think that when you're talking about narcissistic cycles, it happens quickly within a period of months or maybe a couple of years. But for some people, they could be married 30, 40 years uh, before the big reveal and the big discard happens um, where they're um, pushed to the side and and erased and annihilated. So um, I, I think it is confusing to know what's real and what isn't. Um, how did you manage to start turning? How did you know to turn inwards to do self-work on yourself? Uh, because a lot of people don't they get caught up with the whole, what is, you know, the narcissist, the narcissist, and they forget that the closure that they're looking for and the relief that they seek has to come from within. How did you know to do that? Actually, believe it or not, I was um, had Dr. Philip Hall shows on in the background, and it was just one comment that spoke to me. And the comment he said, it takes 100 data boys to make up for you're worthless. And I remember him saying that. And it's the only line I remember I had the show, because I'm not a big Dr. Phil watcher, it just had to be on there. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Yes. Weird to begin with, but once it becomes a habit, then you actually start to look around. But as I said, it was just a one-line comment from a Dr. Phil show that was in the background that spoke to me at the time and that's where I started to work on it from there because there we were, I don't even think it was, it was referring to um, something else but like it made sense if you were told uh, um, all the time that you are no good and you start to believe it um, that's yeah, that's where half your problem comes from but that's, that's actually what it was, it was just one line on a TV show one day 
and I heard it and it made sense and I, that's where I started to practice that myself. You know, I think sometimes we get the help or a message that we need to hear maybe from uh, some higher place, some intervention from beyond or something that gives us what we need when we need to hear it most. Um, I know you mentioned you have two children. Is that correct? That's it. Both daughters, yes. Um, Can you talk to us for a minute about how this experience um, impacted your daughters? Because I know it must be confusing for them to have a mother who is a narcissist and has a personality disorder. Um, and it's very confusing for them. Uh, how has that, uh, your daughters are grown. Is that correct? They're uh, well, one's nearly 17. The other one's nearly 22. Okay. Well, they're, they're still pretty young, um, but old enough to be processing then the, this whole thing. What has been the experience with your children in all of this? Okay, well, what happened was um, my ex-wife had actually programmed them for 12 months before the breakup that I was not a good person and, you know, didn't want me to share time with them and used to cause situation. Yes, I think sometimes uh, that uh, kind of, um, I think they call it the smear campaign, where um, they try to say everything that they can, and they're proactive about it sometimes, sort of laying the foundation for what they're about to do. That is correct, yeah, but I keep repeating it afterwards. So what's happened is um, I do realise, I know the terminology now, but I started doing it years ago, Was I started the Grey Rock and... Um, said a bad word about my ex-wife to my children. And what's happened is my youngest has realised that um, not everything that has been said about me is true and our relationship, in, especially in the last six months, is now fantastic. So do you think as children, God, get uh, as they get older, that um, they're able to draw conclusions about the dynamics between their parents and which one's healthy and which one's not? Because I heard someone say you should never use the N word as, as, you know, referring to narcissists that you should never name that and use that word in telling your children, Oh, your mother is a narcissist, but, but, but show them the truth so that they can draw their own conclusions and lead them to the information to help them educate themselves about this and so that they can uh, arrive at the truth. That is correct. Um, and, yeah, that's what's happened with the youngest. She's just sort of seen things and picked up things because, um, for example, I made a comment which had nothing to do with it, and all I said, oh, you're always the bad guy in someone's story. That was just a general comment. She goes, yep, you've always been the bad guy in mum's stories. And I went, oh, fair enough. But as where the oldest has um, actually, which I believe happens sometimes, has just sided with the ex and we're still trying to work on that. But at this moment in time, she doesn't want to speak to me. But who knows, like um, a day is a long time. Like in January, we didn't have COVID-19, so... You know, who's to say in six months that things won't come around? So, um, 
yeah, when you've got that energy and being driven against you, um, what I try to do is just be be myself as much as it hurts because I do love my children dearly. Have no fear about that. Um, but you cannot force it, and um, that's what I've done. As I said, one, one, they were both pretty look because they had the tension of the divorce and moving house mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, which was a lot of things that went into it. So um, I just tried to be steady, and look, I was a bit of a mess myself. Um, so, but as I said, like time sort of heals all wounds, and like my oldest daughter might come back to me, she might not. I'm not sure, but. That's what I'm hoping on. As I said, like I've, you know, things things just change every day. So as I said, my youngest daughter's come back. I didn't expect that. She was always sort of talking to me, but it was always sort of very, very um, limited because um, my ex would say, "Don't discuss the family. Don't talk to him about this. You can't tell him this, and you can't tell him that." Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we got beyond that point as we. Yeah, so um, my youngest seems to be coming out of it all right. Um, and my eldest, well, as I said, time, time will tell. We might have to get back yes. to 12 months. So, yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. And I think the best thing that we can do in these situations is try to heal ourselves and be the best version of ourselves that we can be and to try to be whole and um, and recover from what has happened And then if we are that person, if we can arrive at that place where we can be that good example of what healthy looks like, then hopefully they can connect the dots and arrive at um, a good destination for a relationship with you moving forward. So um, one last question. Um, Now that this is a little bit behind you, uh, you've gone through so much in these past couple of years. Um, is there any way that it has changed you that you would like to share or any advice that you would like to um, leave our listeners with? Okay, number one, I would like to say it's not your fault. And, yes, it has changed. Uh, I see narcissism everywhere before. I'm hypervigilant. I don't take people on face value anymore. And it has actually changed, for example, the way I watch or listen to shows as where I just seem to be more aware of it. Um, so the main thing is to remember once you've been a victim, it's not your fault. It, there is no time limit on how long it takes you to get over it. Some, um, but you will get there. And just, as I said, that, that mm-hmm. it is not your fault. Um, these people are that way. They're never going to see your own fault, you were there to serve a purpose, whether it be money, emotion, ego, or something like that. Yes, that's right. I'd have like the trauma building and everything else. That, that, that would be my advice. Okay, well, that is uh, excellent advice. It's, uh, you know, everyone has their own recovery story about what has happened to them, and we each have to, through trial and error, I think, experiment with different ways to try to uh, heal ourselves. But I think at the core of this, um, the key is that we turn inward and try to heal all the parts of ourselves that might be missing pieces or there might be gaps or cracks or holes in who we are. 
And we can strengthen that and find ways through like your meditations and through um, just there's so many different uh, modalities and healing um, things that are out there for people to take advantage of um, and just to find what works for you. And I'm just so glad to hear in, in your story that you were able to find the right things at the right moment to help you so that you, you seem to have a very uh, firm grasp on what the situation is for yourself and for your relationship with your children and just for what you're going to have to do next. So um, we've only got about another minute or so. Would you like to leave us with a final word? Um, Yeah. Well, look, as I said, before and I can't stress it anymore it, you will actually get there the world's against you and it will do for a little amount of time and all you've got to remember is the flashbacks that you have such as you want mm-hmm. exactly who they really are so you just got to try and remember that that's not the person yes that, that we have to focus and be positive and I think above all else, uh, maintain hope, right? And so exactly. Um, exactly. hope is the strongest tool that we have. If we can see a future for ourselves beyond this and then just move towards that light, move towards that hope and that future that's going to be better and happier and healthier, I think that we will get there. We just can't give up and we're going to have bad days. We're going to have bad moments in our day but we just have to um, accept that and push through them and hang on and try to focus on the positive so uh, I want to thank you Shane so much for coming uh, with us today to to visit and to share your wisdom with us and I hope that this can help uh, some of our listeners who are going through something similar and who may not be as far out as we are on this recovery process. Maybe they're just beginning. And I hope that some of the things that you have shared with them today can help them with their healing. And we appreciate you for coming and talking with us today. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great to actually talk about it. So thank you very much for that. You're most welcome. So that's Shane from Phillip Island, Victoria, Australia. Narcissism is a global uh, phenomena. It's not just in one place. It's everywhere. And um, we appreciate him coming today. All right, everybody. Stay healthy, stay well, and hang in there. We're all going to get there in the end. Okay. Much love. Bye-bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.